0: to talk about this morning is the greatest news ever told about the greatest person who ever lived his name is Jesus and Jesus is the big deal on Easter and I want to read one passage from Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and uh, that's the passage that our um, study this morning will be from Romans 10 verse 9 That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's spend some time in prayer. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it was your good pleasure from all eternity past, to, to make a plan to save that which was lost. And Father, it was your good pleasure to send the Son into the world. And Jesus, you were willing to seek and to save that which was lost. You lived the life we should have lived, and you died the death we deserved to die, and you rose from the dead. And now ascended to the right hand of the Father. You've sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, giver of life. I pray that you would work in every heart here. And those who don't yet yet know Christ would, would be given the ability to see Jesus and to turn to him in faith. And those who know Jesus would come to trust him more deeply and experience his love more fully. And those of us who have been following Jesus would go with you, King Jesus, into the world to join in your great rescue work of seeking and saving lost people. Jesus, risen from the dead, we offer you praise. For you alone are worthy. We pray in your name. Amen. He's risen. Ah, better. Come on. He's risen. He is risen. risen Now, Jesus asked over 300 questions of people during his earthly ministry. But perhaps the most important question he ever asked was this Do you believe this? And he actually asked that question after he had just taught a woman the fact that he is the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. And then he asked her, do you believe this? And he asks every single one of us this morning, do you believe this? I don't mean that do you not have any questions. That's not what I mean. But do you believe it? Has it come to be real in your heart that Jesus Christ is the eternal son of God who lived and died and rose again and he offers eternal life and you've received that free gift? Is it real to your heart? St. Augustine, the the one to whom, the one that our city is named after, St. Augustine, he said that God made us for himself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. You see, God made every single one of our hearts for him. And if we don't know him, I mean really know him deep down in our heart, well, our lives will always be filled with anxiety and, and fear and panic. This became very, very real to me recently. About five weeks ago, I went to my dentist. And the dentist, you know, he did the thing, he takes the gauze, he sticks it on your tongue, he pulls it out, turns to this side, that side, and, and when he turned my tongue to the side, he said, Oh, that's ugly. Now, he was only talking about my tongue. I mean, he wasn't saying, Dave, you're ugly. But he pulled it and he said, that's an ugly spot. We probably should get somebody to look at that. So two days later, I was in the office of an oral surgeon, and he said, oh, yeah, that's ugly. Let's, let's take some of that. So five weeks ago, they took a little piece. They sent it off to University of Florida, and the first report came back clear. Good. Thank you. Praise the Lord. He said, but you know, we really should take the rest of it. So two weeks ago, they took the rest of it, and they sent that off. And I haven't heard back yet from the doctor, but listen, let me tell you, I've told you many, many times that we need to take our heart by the hand and walk to the foot of the cross, and over the last five weeks, I can't tell you the peace that I've experienced in knowing that I can take my my heart by the hand and and lead it to the foot of the cross and I can take my heart by the hand this morning and lead it to the mouth of Jesus Christ's empty tomb and his tomb is really empty and he's really moved in. He really has given eternal life to to me. That doesn't mean I'm not anxious or fearful. It doesn't mean I don't have questions. Oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? But it does mean this. No matter what does happen, I know that I have a companion whose name is Jesus that he really has moved into my life. And no matter what circumstances any of you may face this morning, There is no circumstance so devastating that Jesus Christ can't walk with you through it. There's no financial collapse that you could face that Jesus Christ can't walk with you through. There's no physical suffering that Jesus Christ can't come near to you and say, I am with you. And his empty tomb says this, That when you die, trusting in him for salvation as he's offered in the gospel, you'll change location, but not companion. The one who has loved you in this life through every circumstance of life will get you safely home. Do you believe this? Listen, what I want us all to learn this morning is this. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And you say, well, yeah, Jesus saves. What does that mean? Well, let me, let me illustrate it this way. In 2018, a terrorist came into a grocery store in France and he took the store Hostage. Armed with a gun, he he threatened the hostages in the store, but then a military policeman, a lieutenant colonel, Arnon Beltran, went into the store unarmed, and he gave himself in exchange for one of the hostages. He was killed, but one of the female hostages, because of his sacrifice, she went home safely the next day one of news a newspaper printed this headline once again a man dies so that others may be saved why would they write that because they remember jesus The historical reality of a seeking and saving Savior who, like that lieutenant colonel, military policeman, was willing to sacrifice his life so that we could go free. When Friday morning began, she did not think that she would need a Savior that day. She was going to buy groceries. But she found herself held hostage... By a murderous terrorist. And she needed to be saved. That's true of all of us. Did did you hear what Paul said at the very end of verse 9? If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now let's unpack that. Paul starts out and he says, you, you know what we all have in common? What we all have in common is that we need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We all need a Savior. And the reason that we all need Jesus is because we all have a problem called sin. And every single one of us has the opportunity, maybe today, to turn from our life of sin and to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and to receive him as he's offered to us in the gospel. Each of us has that opportunity. We all need a Savior and each of us individually need to respond to that Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Now the Bible is filled with you's. The Bible's filled with yous. Many of the you's of the Bible are plural. Y'all? you skies. But this you, this you isn't one of those plural you's. See, this you that Paul uses here, this is a singular you, and that means that every single one of us, we need Jesus, and every single one of us must respond to his question, do you believe this? Every single one of us must individually respond to the promise of salvation that Jesus Christ offers in the gospel. Have you? You. Paul goes on and he adds to that, you will. What's certain in life? What's certain in life? Death. And what else? Taxes. Tomorrow's tax day. Friendly reminder from your local accounting. Uh, Death and taxes. Maybe no one's ever told you. None of us are getting out of this alive. We all have a one in one chance of experiencing death. And a wise man once said the amount of preparation that you put into anything should be in direct proportion to the certainty of that event. Now, if the certainty of our death is a thousand percent, one in one, then will you be prepared? We know that it's certain, but we don't know when it will come. Will you be prepared? Because on that day, that day in the future, there will be only two groups of people. Those who are prepared to die and those who are unprepared to die. You will be saved. And that's the third part of this phrase. You Will be saved. Now, so far in the service, we've shared some bad news. And the bad news of the gospel is that we've all sinned. Now, maybe you don't believe that, but it's true. Listen, the people of Israel, they had the greatest system of law ever given. Over 600 commands that helped us understand what it means to be holy versus common, what it means to be clean versus unclean. And of those 603 commands, God gave 10 that he said were binding on everyone, everywhere, for all time. We know them as the 10 commandments. Now, the 10th commandment is this, you shall not covet Now, to covet means to to want what somebody else has. That new Ford truck, pulling the new bay boat. You ever wanted what somebody else has? You know what that makes you? Coveter. The ninth commandment is you shall not lie you ever told a lie? Maybe even just a little one, a little white lie. It couldn't hurt anybody. But you know what happens when we lie? What does that make us? Liars. The eighth commandment is this, you shall not steal. You say, well, have you ever taken anything that didn't belong to you? Even something small, you know, a pen or a pencil? The office stapler. You ever taken something that doesn't belong to you? Something small, piece of candy. That makes you a thief. How bad is the bad news? Well, we've all admitted to one another on the inside, if not on the outside. We've all admitted that based on those three commandments, we're covetous thieves who lie. And the God that we've sinned against is holy, 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 and he must punish sin. And in his great love, rather than punishing us for our sin, God saves sinners through Jesus Christ. Jesus saves. How did he do it? You see, religion says that if you work hard enough, maybe, just maybe, my good deeds could outweigh my bad deeds. Well, how good would you have to be? I mean, would it need to be 5149? How good would you be comfortable with to stand before a holy, holy, holy God? You see, the bad news of the gospel is that all of us have sinned and come short of God's standard, which isn't 5149, it's perfection. Religion is the foolish effort to try and make up for our bad deeds with good deeds. And it doesn't work because no amount of our good deeds can take away the stain. Of our bad deeds but Jesus saves see the gospel is that not that good people try hard to be better the gospel is that bad people are forgiven by Jesus and he does it all he lived the life that we should have lived he died the death we deserve to die he went to the cross, and on the cross, Jesus Christ paid the full and awful penalty that our sins deserve. Here's what happened Isaiah 53 6 says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Now, I've carried this daytimer in my pocket for many, many, many years. I mean, this thing is old. It's not quite as old as my marriage, but it's old. This, let's say, that this recorded everything that I've ever done. Terrifying. For me, this would be a record book of sin. So here's what Isaiah 53, 6 means. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray Each of us has turned to his own way. We're moving away from God. But God in his great love has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Jesus. Jesus Christ on the cross, God took our record of sin and he put it on Jesus and he punished Jesus in our place. And when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he proved that every sin, past, present, and future, had been paid for in full, just as he said it was from the cross. You see, on the cross, as Jesus hung on the cross, there came a time when he said, Tetelestai, it is It is finished. And that's a marketplace term, and it means paid in full. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it proves that the penalty really was paid in full. It means that there is no sin that cannot be forgiven because of the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf on the cross. Would you like to be forgiven? Would you like to receive the gift of eternal life? Jesus says, it's found in me. Religion is you trying harder to be good. Christianity is Jesus doing it all for you. Living, dying, rising to give you the promise of eternal life. That is really good news. Now, how does it get in our life? How does it get in here, in our heart? Well, Paul tells us, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so the invitation, the command of Scripture to you today is to confess and believe. To confess and believe. What does it mean to confess Jesus is Lord? To confess, the Greek word for confess is homologeo. It means to say the same thing. To say the same thing as who? To say the same thing as God. See, God says that Jesus is his son who paid the penalty for our sin and rose from the dead and offers forgiveness. He's been raised to the highest place in all the universe as Lord. And he says, agree with me about my son Jesus. Say, he's Lord. There's two ways to live. You can live a self-directed life or you can live a Christ-directed life. When we live a self-directed life, self is on the throne of our life and Christ is on the outside of our life. And when self is on the throne of our life, all the actions and all the decisions of life are directed by ourselves. And so we're constantly anxious. We're constantly frustrated. But when Christ moves in, he brings a throne with him. And he aims to rule. He desires to, for us to live a Christ-directed life. When, when, when Christ directs our life, he determines all the actions and all the decisions of our lives. And when he determines all the actions and decisions of our lives, he brings peace and hope and joy and love. He's a good, good Lord. So what does it mean to confess? It means to confess that I want to live the Christ-directed life to invite the resurrected and living Christ into the life, to take the center of the life and to believe that God really did raise him from the dead. To believe in the heart, which is more than just head knowledge. Now, the first service was pretty good. We'll see how y'all do. Y'all finish this for me. In 1492... Uh, see, you're so much smarter than the first service. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Now, if I told you that I woke up this morning and I spent time with Columbus, I talked to him, I worshipped him, I praised him, what would you think? You're crazy, or you're in a cult But I could talk to any Christian here, any follower of Christ in this room will tell you that they know the risen Christ. He's real in their life, that they talk to him and they worship him and they spend time with him. And they would say it in such a way that it would resonate with your heart and you would say, I want that to be true. I want that to be true in my life. To believe that God raised him from the dead means to take Jesus Christ into the center of your life, to move past head knowledge and into the realm of experience, to know with certainty, to know objectively that God really did raise him from the dead, but to also know subjectively that I know Jesus Christ. Do you know him? That he's real in my life. Is he real in yours? That I worship him. Do you? That when you die, you'll change location, but not companion. See, Paul describes this in 2 Timothy 1, verse 12. He says, I know whom... I have believed. And I am confident that he's able to keep what I've entrusted to him against that day. He doesn't say, I know that I believed. That would be head knowledge. He doesn't say, I know when I believed. He says, I know whom I have believed. Do you know him? We're going to end our service this morning giving you the opportunity to tell Jesus who you think he is. There's only two choices. Either you want to go on living the self-directed life with Christ outside the life, or you want to invite Christ onto the throne of your heart and to say yes to him being the Lord. If you do invite him in, If you invite him in, here's what he'll do for you. He'll save you. That means that he'll forgive all your sin and he'll give you the gift of eternal life. Not religion. He'll save you. He'll move in as Lord and he's much better at directing the actions and decisions of your life than you are. He'll give you peace. He'll give you a new family. He'll give you eternal life. He'll give you the assurance that when you die, you'll change location, but not companion. He'll be with you all the way to the end. Not of just this life, but to all the way to the end of eternity. Won't you receive him? I'm going to pray for us now. And when I've prayed, then I'll give you the opportunity to talk to Jesus and to say to him, Jesus, I admit that the bad news that Dave shared, it's true of me. I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe that you lived and died and rose again to be my savior. Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord and help me become the person you want me to be. And listen, when I've given you the opportunity to talk to Jesus and to tell him that, then I'm going to ask you to do something with everyone's eyes still closed. I'm going to ask those of you who pray that this morning for the first time, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Because it's important when we make that simple gesture of faith, Jesus becomes more real to us. So let's pray. Jesus, You amaze us with your love, that you were willing to live and die and rise again on our behalf. And Jesus, you were willing to do for us what we could have never done for ourselves. Thank you. Jesus, I pray for every person here and any who might be watching online and any who might ever hear this message that Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, you would help us answer the question, do you believe this? Jesus, are you drawing any here to yourself? Then listen to them as they say to you, Lord Jesus, I've sinned against you in many ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. Forgive me all my sins. And give me the gift of eternal life. Come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. Amen. And if you've done that this morning for the first time, would you just raise your hand right where you're seated? Just raise your hand. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the promise of eternal life. Thank you that those who put their trust in you, you will never deny. That you are a good Savior and a loving Lord. And I pray that you would, from this day forward, help all of us to follow you. With everything that we have, we offer ourselves to you.